0: you would turn to Luke chapter 1, we'll be reading verses 57 through the end of the chapter, 57 through 80. When you found your place, please stand for the reading God's holy word. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No! He shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he spoke, Blessing God. (coughs) And fear came upon all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. It's so reading the word. You may be seated. Okay. The last two weeks we have been in the, in the chapter, uh, first chapter of Luke. And it is actually the longest chapter in the entire New Testament, 80 verses. It has a lot to say, and and what it says is quite important to us. We see the angel Gabriel shows up twice, first to Zechariah and, and then to Mary. And then, of course, here at the end, we, we have the birth of what is known as the forerunner, John the Baptist. You know, oftentimes, when we, we talk about the New Testament, we talk about the Gospel. Of course, and rightly so, we talk about Jesus Christ. But too often, we glance over this you know, and an enigmatic figure known as John the Baptist he was a a unique man by any sense of the word lived out in the wilderness uh later on we'll find out that his his wardrobe consisted of camel hair not not i don't know too many of us are going to go out to JC Penney later and and look for clothes and say i want the one made out of camel hair that was john he lived a simple life a meager life you know, his meat was locusts and his sweets were honey. Now, this is not a life most of us would choose. I see the faces you're making. None of us want to have that as our, our, our steak and potatoes. But, but he is a man who who served God with everything that he is. And like most uh, people, where where you hear this great, great story of God using somebody mightily, it oftentimes will start with the parents. Yes, there are times where, where you'll have a child that will grow up in a, a non-Christian home and do great things for God. But oftentimes you, you, you hear the, the great stories. We, we could think of stories like Billy Graham and how he's now 99 years old and gone all around the world sharing, sharing the gospel. And how did it start? It started with faithful parents who were praying for their child. The story goes something like this, that the, they lived in a farm town, and so they were, they were praying that, that God would use one of their children to change the world, to, to win the country back to Jesus Christ. And so what happens, they all go to a tent revival and this young man named Billy Graham walks down the aisle and receives Jesus Christ as Lord. And he, he would eventually go off to a small Bible college in Florida where he was, he was told by his girlfriend at the time when he proposed that she couldn't marry him because she needed somebody that was going to do something with their life. She obviously wasn't the greatest judge of character at that particular moment. But Billy Graham would admit to you that when he started off, his sermons were horrible. But as he allowed God to use him and allowed, allowed God to grow him, that obviously most of us know the rest of the story. Billy Graham's probably preached to more people than anyone else in history. And he's been used greatly by God. And I'm sure many of us could share testimonies of, of going to a crusade or hearing him on the TV. But today's not about Billy Graham. It's about Jesus. And he has this this young man that is born here, John the Baptist, who... Like Billy Graham had parents that were praying. We see Zechariah is is silent for nine and a half months because his prayer had been answered. God, God through the angel Gabriel told him that God has heard your prayer and is is going to uh, give you a son, and that this son will will be be the one who shows the way to the Messiah. We're talking about in Sunday school how how we there's a character, this a disciple named Andrew, who would often. Take people to meet Jesus. He wouldn't offer them any fancy words, and he wouldn't do the the altar call prayer, you know, pray after me type thing. He would say, "Let me come and introduce you to Jesus," and then and leave them alone, and allow Jesus and that person to have an encounter with each other. And that's what you and I need to do. We have need to have a real encounter with Jesus Christ, and that is that is what what Jesus. Jesus um, had happened through through John. Later on, we'll, and we'll tackle that when we get there. As is, is John shows the way, he tells them, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There has never, ever been anyone like John before. I doubt there will be one like him afterwards. When we, we read what, what Jesus says about John, what does he say about John? Among those born of women, there has never been anyone greater than John the Baptist. That's pretty high praise from God. Yeah. Think about that. But as, as we look at John, he, he was, a, was born like a baby like any other. There was, yes, supernatural circumstances where, where Elizabeth in her age, even that she was barren, was allowed to, to give birth to a child. But the parents were godly parents. They, they strove after and desired, um, as our the men's group will know, they desired to, to raise their child in Christ, not just in church. Understand what that means, that that they wanted their child's faith to be real. Not just that this was our faith, therefore it's going to be your faith, but that it would be real. And Zechariah will spend much of of the next 20 years or so raising up and training his son. John didn't go off to to the latest and greatest seminary. He didn't go to the the school of the Pharisees or Sadducees. He, He was trained out in the wilderness to learn what it meant to be alone, learn what it meant to talk with God. I pray we all have those moments where we get to be alone and speak with God. But the singular purpose of John is, I think, the same purpose of you and I. John was born to show people Jesus. I believe all of us have been reborn to show people Jesus. At the end of the day, when, when we consider what our life has amounted to, when there's some, some pastor or preacher standing up uh, be, behind a lectern with a coffin in front or the urn or whatever circumstance your funeral may end up being, they're going to talk about your life. And they either will be able to stand with integrity and talk about how you love God and that your family will be able to see you in eternity, or they're going to have to sugarcoat it and, and dance around and say, well, we hope you'll see Him one day again. John there there was no hoping. He was straight to the point and would tell you like it is. If you were a sinner, he would say you are a sinner. And you have been saved, you he would tell you you have been saved. If you are a false convert, he would tell you, you were oh you brood of vipers, who's warned you to flee? He he would remind people. But I want us to, for a few minutes to focus in on what it was like when when John was born. We know the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were unable to conceive, but finally the day has come where where John has been born. And in the Jewish culture, you do not name your sons right away. You had to wait till the eighth day after they were born, and your family and the, the local priests would come together, and the child would be circumcised. And at that moment, they would be given a name. And so this is what we see happening. The family gets together and John is circumcised and they want to know what name is Elizabeth going to give to her son. They all expect the name to be Zechariah. It would seem very um a very good and a blessing name to ble- to bless him after his father who has lived and served as a priest his entire life was just Nine and a half months previous seeing a vision by God, seeing the, the angel Gabriel, who only one other person up to that point in the Bible has ever seen, it would seem a, a likely name to be Zechariah, to, to honor such a man as his father. But that is not what happens here. She says his name will be John. As we discussed two weeks ago, that name means grace. Says His name is going to be John. And I would argue that not only was Zechariah unable to speak, he was mute, but I also believe that he was deaf for nine and a half months. Why? Because they have to make signs to him. They have to motion to him to get, get his opinion on what the child's name should be. And so as they make these gestures and as he grabs the tablet and he starts to write what the name is, he writes John and right away he is finally able to speak again. And and all the people are wondering, what sort of child is this going to be? Of course, the great irony is, you know, this child is not even the biggest child that's going to be born that year. But understand where they're coming from. For 400 years, God has been silent. And then He has spoken up, and now Gabriel has told Zechariah, You are going to bear a son, and he will prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Amen to that. You should be doing the same thing. You should be preparing people for the coming of the Lord, the second coming. Are you? Are we being like John the Baptist? Are we letting people know that Jesus is about to return? Or are we kind of like, "Oh, I don't want to hear about that. Let's not talk about Jesus. It's Thanksgiving, it's Christmas." You know, let's just let's just talk about things we all agree on. No, we are called to be like John. We are called to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. A day is soon coming. We, we sang the song about it. Jesus is coming soon. Do we believe that? Do we share that with others? There is no greater calling that you're going to have in this life than to tell people about Jesus Christ. Whatever you may find that yourself does during the week, whatever job you may have, a day will come where you will retire from that job. And that company will go on like nothing's ever happened. The company will survive without you. You'll get your pension, your retirement, and you'll be retired. You will never retire from being a Christian. There'll never come a day where you'll say, you know what? I get my Christian pension. I don't have to tell people about Jesus anymore. I just got to go on vacations and live out my life until God calls me home. No, you get to tell people about Jesus every day for all of eternity. You could have no greater purpose in this life than to do as John did, to prepare the way, to make the path straight. Are we making the path straight for our family, for our friends, our loved ones, our community? Even for those that would despise us? Are we being like Zechariah and training up the children in the way of the Lord? John was trained up by a good and godly father. Are our children and grandchildren going to be trained up in the same way? Are we going to let the TV and the news media and the the internet do it? Tell you, no, the world is not going to tell your child about Christ. It will tell you a lot about the world. Your child doesn't need that. It needs to know about Jesus. And so when we see John here is born and he is told that he is going to be doing these great things, Zechariah names him John. It means the grace of God. Elizabeth's name means that um, God remembers his oath. And so we see that Zechariah is filled here with the Holy Spirit and he, and he starts to go, go into this, this great prophecy where he's telling us about his son John and what he will do and how he'll prepare the way for the Lord. But I, I want us to, to realize here that he is not only preparing the way for the people of Israel to receive the Lord, but all who are afar off. John is being declared of what he will do by his father Zechariah. Zechariah is saying that the Messiah is not just for the Jewish people. He is for all people for all time. Because he has not come to overthrow a Caesar. He has come to overthrow Satan and sin and death. That is why Jesus is coming. That is why John has been chosen to prepare the way for him. You and I, you know, there may not have been the... The circumstance like John, people may not have been going around with awe when you were born. Like, what sort of child will this be? What will they grow up to be like? But a day came where John grew up and he preached the truth. He showed people the Lamb of God just like you can do. And then what happens? Does he have this great parade in his honor? No. His ministry starts to diminish. It gets smaller and smaller. Rightly so, because... John is not the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. Mike's not the Messiah. Darren's not the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is who we follow. Jesus is who we're going to point people to. And when we do that, we will bring God glory. As John would later say, says it is it is right that I, I should become less and Jesus become more. Because when you see the, the day of the wedding, when the, when the groom is seeing his bride and he is happy, the groom's best man has joy for, for the groom. That is the paraphrasing what John would later say about Jesus. That his joy is made complete and by seeing people go after Jesus. That was his purpose in life. And it should bring us joy when we see our family members come to Christ. But we need to make sure we are doing that. That we are being faithful as John was. said so John didn't get that fancy parade. He got the, a, a short, swift hit with an axe. He lost his head literally. He died. A martyr's death. And nobody's going to sit there and say, well, if he had enough faith, he wanted to die that way. No. He had faith tremendously. He even told the, the, the king he was sinning. In his entire life, he pointed people towards Jesus. What will you be remembered for? Will it be like John pointing people towards Jesus? This is what we know of John. He was born. He lived in the wilderness. He appeared to Israel, told them to repent and prepare for the Lord is about to come. He shows them the Lord and then he is murdered. What about your life? There was a point where you were born. I don't know, I I doubt most of us grew up in the wilderness. Maybe a few farm town people here, myself included. But the reality is you and I each have the opportunity to show people the Lamb of God as John did. I pray none of us meet the same fate death-wise that John made. But a day is coming where we'll be standing around that throne with John, worshiping Jesus. Will our family be joining us? Will it be because we have been faithful to share the gospel with them? I, I surely hope so. We'll see with John, and I hope you see with yourself, that there are tremendous parallels between John and Jesus. We'll see what happens with with John. John goes out and he lives in the wilderness for a period of time. when, When Jesus appears and is baptized by John, where's the first place he goes? The wilderness. He is tested there. We all go through a wilderness of some kind. Our faith is going to be tested. Satan desires to devour us. He desires to destroy our ministry before it even will begin. He tried it with Jesus, but Jesus would not give in. And neither shall we. We see that they both have these supernatural announcements, these miraculous births. What if I were to tell you that your birth was miraculous? I'm not talking about when you were born by your mother. i talking about when you were reborn, when you were born again by God. That is a supernatural event. It is a gift of God. It is not something we can do on our own. I, I can't force the Holy Spirit to come upon anyone to, to create new life in, in another human being. I desire it, I pray for it, I long for it. But ultimately it is a miracle of God. So we all have these examples that how we parallel with John. We we see the, the naming between John and Jesus. Gabriel gives both the mothers the or gives Zechariah the father the name and gives Mary the name that that uh, she should give to Jesus. A day will come where we will all get a new name. If we have truly been born again, we will all be given that new name by God. There are many parallels. And as I've said, we we are called to be like John in the fact that we are called to show people Jesus. Each and every one of us. From the youngest in here to the very oldest and everyone in between. But ultimately, we are not called to live like John. We are called to live like Jesus. We are called to, to live the life that Jesus lived. When Jesus calls us to follow after him, it means sacrifice. It means self-denial. It means giving up those things that, that we think are near and dear to our hearts and focusing on what God tells us to focus on. You'll, you'll find when you do this that you really don't miss those things you think you'll miss. That God will remove that desire and give you godly desires for the, for the things of your life. The family that you love, you're, you're still going to love, but Christ will become more. He'll become more than your mother, father, children ever could. But we have to be willing to follow Him. We have to be willing to forsake all else. doesn't mean God is going to tell us to forsake all else. But we have to be willing. We have to, to come about that, and that, that self-denial that, that we're looking at. It may mean giving up your home. It may mean moving afar off or a place where, he, where God tells you to go. You may be like Abraham, where God tells you to, to go to the land of Canaan, or to Arkansas, or wherever it may be. And when God tells you to go, don't resist Him, because He is going to use you. He used John greatly. He can use you. We're reminded here by Zechariah's prophecy that God has covenants with His people. There's three here that Zechariah mentioned: the Davidic covenant that one of David's descendants would be the king of all kings, and that he will reign. And of course, as much as the people of that day wanted to see Jesus be the king, that has not yet happened. Jesus be, will be the king when, when he returns to this earth. That is when he will take up his rightful place as king of the world, king of all kings. Zechariah talks about the Abrahamic covenant, how the that God had promised Abraham, not just this land, not just the people, but he points out that, that they will be able to dwell in safety and freely worship without fear. Without fear of being slaves in Egypt. Without fear of, of being killed by Muslims. Without fear of any of that. But to truly be free and worship God as, as they, they desire to do. And this one that applies to us very much. The promise of the, the new covenant that Jeremiah prophesied about, that God would make a new covenant, not just with the Jewish people, but with all people, that they may receive salvation. That salvation is is for you today. It's for, for everyone who desires to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. As we talked about, as Brother Larry testified, that song, Amazing Grace, it was written for all of us, for we are all wretched sinners. We may not like to think about that. We may not like to talk about it. I know people don't like to, to be told that, that they're sinful and that the desires of their heart are evil since the day of their birth. But the reality is they are. John didn't sugarcoat anything. John would be the definition of your hellfire and brimstone teacher and preacher. We, we all don't preach like John. But we all should speak the truth as John did. The scripture is clear. We cannot back away from scripture at all. Is to do so is to deny the Lord. We see his time in the wilderness. We can think about our own time when we go through that spiritual wilderness. First, he grew up physically. He grew up strong. We, we were all going to grow phys, physically out in our lives. But he also grew spiritually. Those times of testing, those times in the, our wilderness journey, are meant so that we will grow spiritually. We are not meant to be babies our whole life. And this is the great irony, is, as when children are born, as John was born, he grew up physically, it didn't mean he had to grow up spiritually. Many of us who have, who have generally been born again, sit here right now, and you're still babies. You're still, maybe you're toddlers, maybe, you know, uh, maybe you're, you're young, young adults, but you haven't grown into maturity. You're still eating and drinking the things that, that children would drink, instead of feasting on the meat and potatoes that God's Word has for you. We have to grow up spiritually, as John had to do. We have to we have to be in our word. When John was trained by Zechariah, he was not trained like the Pharisees and Sadducees. And that's why they had a problem with him. Because he wasn't identified with, well, you're a Pharisee, therefore you believe this. And you're a Sadducee, therefore you believe this. Or you're a Democrat, therefore you believe this. Or a Republican, therefore you believe this. John grew up with one purpose. That he was going to serve the, the Lord his God. There was no dividing John between different factions. And there should not be any dividing any Christians. <coughs> between different factions. There should be no division in the church at all. There was no division in John. There was no division in his disciples. They knew why he came. He came to show them the Messiah. Two of Jesus' disciples were John's disciples. Andrew and John. And what do we see in the Gospel of John? soon as John identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God, what do they do? They leave John, and they go and follow Jesus, which is the right thing to do. <coughs> I know many people who their messiahs are not Jesus. Their messiahs are fancy preachers on TV, or teachers that, that they, don't, they don't get away from. Why? Because they would rather hear a man's teaching than God's teaching. Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, follow Dylan or Joel or any other name you want to put out there. He said, follow Jesus. And that is what we are to do. We are to follow Jesus and His commands. I'll close today with this final statement here that John is described as, as the, great, the great and final star of the Old Testament. He is the final Old Testament prophet. And he is shining a light. But he is he is not the, the sun. When John shines his light it is like the last bright light in the sky before dawn breaks. And when when he shows the world that final light, he is pointing to the dawn, the coming of Christ. And now that Christ has come, all other lights are drowned out, aren't they? How many of us could see a st- a star in the middle of the day? No. At, at the end of it if we are genuine Christians, if we are genuinely showing people Jesus, once we show them Jesus and they have that encounter, the sun breaks forth, the the day has dawned, they will no longer look at us (coughs) and say, I want to be like Pastor Dylan or I want to be like Deacon Darren or I want to be like Jaime or Mike or I want to be like Cookie or Connie. You shouldn't desire to be like me or anyone else. You should desire to be like your Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only light you should see. He is the only light you should show people. Bring them to the light. Allow the light to do what it's going to do. We do not need to sell Jesus and and make Him out to be fancier than He is. It is not easy to follow Jesus. I would not recommend anyone do it lightly. It is not something you do to get your ticket punched. It's not something you do to to come down the altar so you can say, I have eternal life, I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven. Because Jesus also says, get up and follow me. And then I'll make you fishers of men. Too many of us, we want to come down the altar, but we don't ever want to leave the altar. We want to receive the blessing of God, but never want to give back. God has called us, every one of us, to give back. John's life was not easy by any stretch of the imagination. Nor was Zacharias or any other person who has ever served God. But every person who has genuinely served God will admit to you it is all worth it. Because the sacrifices that we make in this life, the Apostle Paul tells us, aren't even worthy of comparison to the glory that awaits us in heaven. So I pray this day that if you do not know Jesus, that you will come down to the altar and make Him your Lord. But it won't stop at the altar. It won't be with the prayer you say. It will be with the life that you live. That you will live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with me. Father, Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for the many blessings, Lord. give you thanks that we're able to call upon you, Lord. I pray if there's anyone here who does not know you, who is not following you, Lord, you would bring them down and have them follow you forever. Make them understand what, what you say in the gospel of John when you say, All those who love me will do my commands. Those who love me will follow me. They will forsake all else. May we be willing to do so this day, Lord. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen.